podcast land. Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Gary Talks 2, the only podcast that is guaranteed to make you more sexually attractive to whoever it is that floats your boat or double your money back. That's a personal guarantee. So today we're going to be talking about autocracy in the U.S. and how every once in a while the desire for fascism raises its pathetically ugly head in the episode entitled, It's Never Very Far Away. So prepare to have some mists exploded and your eyes open to the threat that is, uh, once again, seems to be emerging here in the land of the free. So grab a seat and hang on. It uh, should be fun. Okay, so here we are at the next stop. As you know, uh, on this podcast, I like to explore political and social issues that faced uh, our country back in the antebellum years, which is where my historical fiction series, Journey, the Story of an American Family, began. When I went back to research uh, press and speech restrictions during and after the Civil War, I was surprised to find that this is a constantly recurring attitude here in America from its very very beginning, this desire for the authoritarian figure to lead the country. I was using that uh, post-Civil War time because that's where volume two of the series Journey ends. But this tendency of some of us uh, goes way, way back to our founding. The very first of what became uh, known as alien and sedition laws was passed by uh, John Adams in the summer of 1798. As the nation became fearful of a war with France, after the infamous XYZ affair, as it came to be known, wherein uh, three men identified by those initials, XYZ, demanded a bribe of a quarter of a million dollars of our diplomatic mission before they would uh, even be allowed to meet anyone in the French government. They, of course, refused and went home. A quarter million dollars back then was a whole lot of money. So the nation was afraid of a French invasion, and Congress acted. Imagine that. Most importantly, Congress passed the Sedition Act, which took direct aim at those who spoke out against the president, Adams, or the Federalist-dominated government. Even as the bitter debates between the fledgling political parties, the Federalists and the Democratic-Republicans, were being played out in rival newspapers and other publications, new laws outlawed any, quote, false scandalous and malicious writing, end quote, against Congress or the president, and made it illegal to, quote, to conspire to oppose any measure or measures of the government, end quote. Now think about that for a minute. You can't oppose any measures of the government. Hmm. Matthew Lyon, a Republican congressman from Vermont, became the first unfortunate person to be tried under the new law in October of 1798, just a few short months after the law went into effect. A grand jury indicted Lyon for publishing letters in Democratic-Republican newspapers during his re-election campaign that showed, quote, intent and design, end quote, to defame the government and President Adams, among other charges. Lyon acted as his own attorney and defended himself by claiming the Sedition Act was unconstitutional and that he had not actually intended to damage the government. He was convicted 
And the judge sentenced him to four months in prison and a fine of $1,000. Now get this, Lyon won re-election while sitting in jail and would later defeat a Federalist attempt to kick him out of the House. So there you go. And there's another funny one from these days. Another uh, individual famously prosecuted under the Sedition Act, John Adams and crew, was the Democratic, Republican, friendly journalist James Callender, Callender, I guess it would be, there's two L's, sentenced to nine months in prison for his, quote, false, scandalous, and malicious writing against the said president of the United States. Callender wrote articles from jail supporting Thomas Jefferson's campaign for president in 1800. After Jefferson won, Callender demanded, demanded a government post in return for his service. When he failed to get one, he retaliated by revealing the very first public allegations of Jefferson's long-rumored relationship with an enslaved woman, Sally Hemings, in a series of uh, a newspaper articles. So uh, I guess uh, be careful who you piss off would be a, a good moral for here. Let's go and uh, take a look at the years during and right after the Civil War. And I think we will see that some of the same bullshit political games that we see being played today were actually on full display back then as well. Again, if you have some interest in this, uh, in this period of our history, please check out my historical fiction series, Journey. I think you'll get a kick out of it and you can learn more about it on the website, more about that later. So, during the Civil War, there was quite a lot of Northern resistance to what was described as an, quote, evil war. Instating the draft only made things worse, sometimes much, much worse, with draft riots leaving scores dead in major cities. Throughout the war, newspaper reporters and editors were arrested without due process for opposing the draft, discouraging enlistments in the uh, Union Army, or even criticizing the income tax. Imagine if that happened today. Handling dissent in the North uh, presented an unprecedented difficulty for the Lincoln administration. From the start of Lincoln's presidency, the Northern press gave voice to many of his critics. Newspapers argued that secession was just the inevitable consequence of his policies toward the South. As the war dragged on, the opposition press grew louder, demanding compromise with the Confederacy to halt the bloodshed. On the other hand, Fervent uh, Union loyalists argued that dissent in the press amounted to treason. Citizens in the North wrecked, quote, disloyal newspapers in an effort to stymie pro-Southern sentiment. <clears throat> Funny how things really don't change, do they? The only thing that does change is the way we view those things at different times. There were voices raised in opposition to Lincoln's policies in this regard also. This loss of liberty added to the uh, wartime suspension of habeas corpus, led everyone in the South, and many in the North, frankly, to think of Lincoln as a bit of a tyrant. Thankfully for us today, if I may say, it's my opinion, Lincoln had a clear vision for the nation and did what needed to be done to get us there. 
Did he break or at least bend the law and the Constitution? Almost certainly. But he was fighting an open, armed rebellion by millions of traitors. And as I said, did what he needed to do to put it down. So what I'm getting at is here is recent statements by the Orange Jesus certainly do sound a lot like that pathetically ugly head is trying to poke up again in a very bigly way, if you know what I mean. This fascism authoritarian critter that lives not far away. By publicly stating as a fact that he will shut down any newspaper he disagrees with, pull the license of any TV or radio station he doesn't care for, execute disloyal generals, and imprison critics, he leaves very little doubt. Adams, Lincoln, and Woodrow Wilson in the 20s all used these shady laws to attempt to silence critics to stifle any dissent. And they all three threw lots of people in prison for merely speaking. Today, it is so very critically important that you remember this hard, undeniable truth. Fully 35% of voters today would prefer a strong man to lead them and not an elected president to serve them. Keep that uh, scary thought in mind, would you please? Okay, you're back. So earlier in the cast here, I mentioned that we would look at some silly political games people played at the end of the Civil War. And they play today. I realize that I have to narrow it down quite a bit when I talk about these silly political games of today, however. We all know that the MAGA Nazis in the House have zero intention on governing and every intention to play really stupid games. Games that humiliate us on the world stage. Unfortunately, MAGA Nazis don't care about the world stage. So, for this discussion, I'm talking about the to be specific, the MAGA-Nazi attempt to impeach President Biden for his imagined high crimes and misdemeanor that remain unnamed to this day. We all learned in our history classes about the impeachment of Andrew Johnson, the man who took office after Lincoln was murdered by a Southerner. Johnson, himself a, a Southern man from Tennessee, remained loyal to the Union and considered those who didn't to be traitors and rightly so. But after the war, he really began to piss off a lot of people in Congress, especially a loudmouth named Thaddeus Stevens. Another one named Benjamin Butler made an allegation that Johnson attempted to, quote, get this, what a high crime misdemeanor, quote, to bring into disgrace, ridicule, hatred, contempt, and reproach the Congress of the United States, end quote. Now, can you imagine if that was a crime today? For anybody to do something like that uh, with a congressional approval rating around 18%, I think more people approve of cancer, to be honest with you. Anyway, it does sound familiar though, doesn't it? Hmm. So anyway, with his uh, fortunes sagging in the late summer of 1866, President Johnson embarked on his national 
quote, swing around the circle speaking tour, in part to campaign for Democrats ahead of the uh, 1866 United States elections. The tour backfired on him, however, resulting in damaging reports in newspapers across the nation of his undisciplined and vitriolic speeches, as well as his ill-advised confrontation with uh, hecklers. Hmm, sound familiar? Contrary to Johnson's hopes, the 1866 elections produced veto-proof Republican Party majorities in both houses of the United States Congress. As a result, radicals were able to take control of Reconstruction, passing a series of Reconstruction Acts, each one over the president's veto, by the way, addressing the stringent requirements for Southern states to be fully restored to the Union. So after the vote to impeach uh, Johnson, the Stadia Stevens uh, submitted a pair of resolutions that uh, created a two-person committee tasked with the, you know, presenting the stuff to the Senate like they always do, and then another uh, one uh, uh, to um, to do the exhibits, to do the presentations, and they would do this quote in due time. That sounds familiar too. So when this presentation, when this uh, came up for a vote, it was a straight party line. It was uh, 124 to 42. No members of the Republican Party voted against it, while no members of the Democratic Party voted against it. Again, very, very familiar. So the committee held their meetings in a room in the Capitol that was usually utilized by the Judiciary Committee. They set a quick timetable for themselves. They wanted the articles out in two days and have them approved by the House and presented to the Senate within six days. Yeah, nothing like hurrying it through. Thaddeus Stevens opened a meeting with this uh, lovely thought. Quote, never was so great a malefactor so gently treated as Andrew Johnson. The people have been unwilling to blot the records of their country by mingling his crimes with their shame. Shame for endurance for so long a time of his great crimes and misdemeanor. And just like they do today, after a long string of bullshit like that, he offered no evidence of any kind. But I will end this little, uh, little lecture here with this very significant thought. If you ever, 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 ever feel that your vote is not important, that your vote is somehow unimportant or insignificant and mean, meaningless. This guy Johnson, uh, President Andrew Johnson, opposed congressional measures adopted to try and help African Americans become productive members of society after being uh, released from bondage and, and accord them the same dignity accorded to whites. He opposed black suffrage, land reform, and efforts, get this, efforts to protect blacks against the violence that Southern whites unleashed upon them after the war's end. The radicals, on the other hand, wanted to station troops down there and protect the blacks. So that's why they wanted him out. So here's the important part. Because he had no vice president, if Johnson had been removed from office, he was impeached, but not convicted and removed from office. And he had no vice president because he'd been moved in after Lincoln was killed, hadn't gotten around to naming one. 
a man named uh, Benjamin Wade, the president pro temp, would have taken his place. That's the way the Constitution works. A president, Benjamin Wade, a radical Republican and champion of black rights, might have altered the course of American history, perhaps for better and forever. Well, it's that time again when foolish people get called out for being the fools they are. That's right. It's time once again for the political rant. Yay! Now, if you recall from previous rants, my favorite target are those fine folks at the Childhood Indoctrination Center, known as PragerU Kids. My loyal listener out there knows that I have been on the receiving end of all their propaganda emails that they send out every damn day. Actually, often more than once a day. Christ. And lately, they have sent out some friggin' doozies. Take one entitled, What Lies Ahead for America, that contains the following unifying thought. Quote, What Lies Ahead for America? Can we expect this year to be a repeat of 2020? Is another lockdown coming? Will there be violence and riots in the street? Will we have a free and fair election? As corporate and political elites desperately cling to their power and legacy media continues to spread lies and conceal truth, more division, dishonesty, and manipulation seem inevitable. They constantly preach this fear and distrust crap. They actively try to separate Americans through these bullshit statements and beliefs. And how about this one? Quote, the, the name of it, the title is Illegal Immigration. It's about power. I guess who's going to be in on this one? And it says in its lead-in, historically, Democrats supported strong borders because they knew American workers could never compete with illegal immigrants. Now, they regularly support open borders. So why the drastic change? Tucker Carlson explains. Well, yeah, oh boy. That one must be a doozy and a half. So, you know, I've, I've warned on here before that uh, they're spreading this crap, this bullshit, these indoctrination courses, and again, I hasten to emphasize it. That's not my word. That's their word. They call it indoctrination. They're trying to get it installed in public schools everywhere. They're now in another state. They are in Arizona as a main part of some of their curriculum. And believe me, they will soon be in a school near you. So stay informed. Stay informed. Okay, so uh, that's it for today for this episode of Gary Talks 2, the number 100 and 
52 ranked uh, podcast in the great country of India for some reason. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope to have you back again soon for another look back at how our history shapes today. If you want to contribute an opinion or thought or something, uh, or appear here or something, just drop me a line at thepodcast at gvbwrites.com. That's thepodcast at gv as in Victor, b as in boy, writes, w-r-i-t-e-s dot com. Or just stop by the site at www.gvbwrites.com and uh, you can not only contact me, but you can learn more about the uh, historical fiction series I've been talking about, Journey, and read some reviews and, and what other what other folks think. So, thanks again. Uh, really uh, enjoyed this time with you, and I hope uh, to see you again in another ten days or so. So, adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.